The best thing is that my mic mount is like not pushed in all the way, and I feel like my mic is just gonna like the mic arm is literally just gonna snap. It's something's gonna break. Something's going to break. It's gonna. This is an episode. Something's going. This to break. is an episode of Unqualified Gamers, so something will break spectacularly in the most random manner as well. This podcast is part of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed may not reflect those of other podcasts or affiliates of this show or Gunna Geek. Check out other geeky podcasts at GunnaGeek.com. And get ready because geekiness commences in three, two, one... Yeah, definitely something is going to break on this episode, episode 100-something of Unqualified Gamers. That, um, that, do you know what episode? That, no? It's like 115, 116, 126. So. Yeah, one, well, let's say 2000, episode 2000. Let's go with I that. I think if you're rounding uh, up I, to the nearest 2000, you're probably correct. Yes, and I always round up to the nearest 2000 because that is uh, the way that I roll. Well, hi, listener. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining. My name is Cody Goff here, and this is Jonathan Martin. Thank you for uh, tuning in on whatever medium, whether you found us on the Gun and Geek Network or at unqualifiedgamers.com or on wgnplus.com. This is our inaugural podcast on the digital arm of Tribune's audio arm of the newspaper of i'm not really sure how that quite works exactly yeah because most newspapers don't have arms well you clearly do not know enough newspapers i don't know any if i, uh, I actually so. don't well, me anymore need to read so it's yeah true. so really it's i really true. i haven't befriended any newspapers uh listener i want to i want to apologize in advance for there's probably going to be a little bit of um hesitation at various points in the podcast once again um, if you can't, if you're not watching the video, if you're listening, I am once again in a hotel room, um, again traveling for work. Uh, this this hotel seems to have the spottiest internet of any of the hotels I've stayed in so far. So, I, no, 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 no. It's it, let's be honest. It's because your wife kicked you out again. Again, let's... that's true for for a week, and then I'm allowed to come home on Friday after I get done working. It's a really weird arrangement. Um, yeah. So you know the the internet here is is again kind of spotty. So uh, if I cut out occasionally, it, it's a thing that's it's a thing that's going to happen. We're going to work through it. We're we're working through it for you. Well, it's kind of a WGN. I think in the in the spirit of WGN radio, you know, I've been at the station for years, seven or eight years or so, and you know, the station's a hundred years old. So we're going to act like we are recording on the infrastructure of a hotel whose Wi-Fi is 100-some years old. And that's just the way it's going to be. So this is, a, this is a milestone episode for us that, that I'd like to address before we kind of get into things. So there are, we've, we've had many listeners over the years from unqualifiedgamers.com, again, and from the Gunna Geek Network, of which we are a part. So some of you are, are probably like, what is this WGM Plus thing? And, um, and then there's some of you who found us via WGM Plus who are saying, who are these people? So WGM Plus is, is kind of the podcast... Um, 
syndicated podcast network of WGN Radio, a Chicago radio station that I've worked for for several years. And now we're part of that family. So if that's how you find us, um, thank you for joining. Welcome. I apologize in advance for everything John is about to say and has said, in fact. Fortunately, you're, I mean, you're lucky you're not watching us on YouTube, so at least you are spared the having to see his face. So that's kind of nice. Um, and as a quick little introduction to us, you, please feel free to go to our website later to learn more. But I am Cody Goff. I've been the producer of the Brian Noonan Show for several years. You've heard me probably on the terrestrial station. And Jonathan is a pharmacologist. Uh, not right. Pharmacalchemist. No, that's not close. Pharmacological alchemist, alchemist. We'll call it an alchemist. It actually makes me sound kind of badass, doesn't it? It's kind of dumb, yeah. No, I'm an, so an I'm an alchemist, I think. So John's an alchemist, and I'm me. And uh, we call ourselves unqualified. We're on many things. We're unsponsored. We are unethical. Uneducated. We are uneducated. Well, yes. Well, no. Well, it depends. Uncouth. Uh. Un. Uh, um. Un- under. Adulterated. Underdressed. Underdressed, unmitigated, un, unmarinated, on a cycle. We are right on a cycle, and that is why we're unqualified. Yeah, again, we're 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 not so we're not qualified to be hey, on terrestrial hey, speaking radio. Speaking of, are there? But we are qualified to do. A are podcast. there hipsters that are currently going around certain areas of Chicago on unicycles? Yeah, there are. We have seen several hipster unicyclists what, in the neighborhood what, recently. What is that? Why? What like what is that? What is a what is who unicycles? Like how is that a thing? Whom unicycles? Whom unicycles? I mean, how is that a thing? Like how, like I don't know. Like, is there a more obnoxious looking vehicle of transportation than a unicycle? Like on the sidewalk. There is nothing more obnoxious looking. My girlfriend thinks that unicyclists are great. Why? She think she Why do you think unicycles are great? Cuz they're a gift to humanity. I it's it's for pure pleasure and for the pleasure of others. It has no pragmatic purpose. It's just kind of there, but and that's just how that operates. I derive zero pleasure from that. I think that is absolutely ridiculous, and I think that people... You don't derive pleasure from unicycles? Are you sure that you, that you are a real human? Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely don't derive pleasure from them. How did we go from video game podcasts to talking about unicycles? I guess my point is, like, why is the bicycle not okay? The bicycle that has been around forever as a mode of transportation. Like, who came out and said, I want to get on this device that clowns typically use to entertain children while juggling? Like, who said, I'm going to use that as a mode of transportation over the bicycle that has been used as a mode of transportation for, like, hundreds of thousands of, probably tens of thousands of years. I think that was probably the first vehicle that cavemen made when they made the wheel was a bicycle. Like, they made the wheel, and then they made the bike, and then they made the bike chain, and then they made the bike, right? And, like, that – the bicycle's been around forever. Like, who said that a – again, who said that I need to to drive this clown vehicle? I don't understand. It actually goes back further than that. Archaeologists have recently found um, Tyrannosaurus Rex fossils – 
with a unis with a bicycle actually. So because Tyrannosaurus Rexes or Tyranni Rai used to ride bicycles. This is a well documented fact. I saw it on the Magic School Bus. I saw it on the Magic uh, Mushrooms. The Magic Mushrooms. I saw it on all of those things. All all two of all those the, things. All the magics. Um, so the, all the you magics. Covered, all the you magics. Covered all the magics. I covered every magic, every magic that there was to cover. So I I don't know. I don't think honestly I did we did see a bearded tall bearded unicyclist unicycling down um the bike path along Lakeshore Drive on the 4th of July on Independence Day the year of our lord 4th July 2015. So now that I've aired my now and, that I've aired my grievance with a unicycle I was recently at a, a festival with with a little like uh, tent carnival type food uh, in downtown Wiper Lake up here in Minnesota. Wait, is this relevant to nothing? So um, we were at this festival. It, it's relevant to unicycles. Uh, so we were at this festival, and and you know what a Segway is, right? Like the big scooter with like the that I think it's got handlebars, but basically it like. It, the motion of the actual scooter goes along with the way that you tilt, right? A Segway scooter, right? I thought you were talking about the Segway, like the Segway that there was no Segway between you talking about unicycles and carnivals with scooters. No, there is, because this this relates to a method of transportation, of which I also think is, okay, of which I I also think is dumb. Sure. So you know what a Segway scooter is. Right. You know what a Segway scooter is, right? I... Yeah, no. I know what a Segway is. It's the thing that Job rides in Arrested Development. That's a Segway scooter. That's that's what it's called. It's a Segway. Maybe it's not a Segway scooter. Maybe it's just a Segway. Regard. It's just a Segway. That, okay, so that thing. So there was this kid, and we there was really crowded. It was a really really crowded like festival area. There was this kid who had what basically amounted to the base of a Segway scooter that just had room for his feet and was just, like, tooling around the crowd, just running into people as he's, as he's like, navigating, weaving in between the crowd on this stupid little Segway thing. Not moving any faster than, I don't know, walking, because that's what everybody else was doing in a giant crowd of people. No, he needed this stupid little scooter. I sound like an old man curmudgeon, don't I? Yeah, I kind of do. As opposed to a young man curmudgeon? Yeah. Like, I don't know what you're going for with yeah. it. Regardless, it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, I don't understand. I don't. I didn't know what it was for. It seemed, com- it seemed completely inefficient. Like, people were walking far faster than he was moving around with the scooter thing. So, are you saying that people should only move around in cars and bikes? Like, those are the only two... But what about rollerblades? How do you feel about rollerblades? Rollerblades are fine. Like... In my opinion, like, the method of transportation maybe needs to, one, not make you look ridiculous, and two, get you to a place faster. Like, it needs to be, it needs to be an efficient method of travel. Like, rollerblading is fast, right? It gets you there faster. Biking gets you there faster. I guess I don't ride unicycles, so I don't know if they get you there faster. I imagine, I guess maybe... They do. Okay, but unis- who's going to steal a unicycle, right? Like, you ride a bike around Chicago, some jerk is going to steal it. You ride a unicycle around Chicago, who steals a unicycle? 
like people who steal bikes are already kind of the worst humans that there are. But when you steal a unicycle, like to do that, you would have to be on some level of desperation. That's like really next. So why don't you lock it up? Right? Why don't you lock up your bike? You can lock up your bike. It's still going to get stolen. Bike thieves are very resourceful. Have you ever tried to get a bike not stolen in Chicago? Because it's harder than it looks. I have never tried to not get a bike stolen. I've always always tried. Anytime I've owned a bike, I have tried for it to be stolen. Right. I understand that. So that's why I'm saying this. This is what I'm saying. You see? Anyway, uh, do not sympathize nor empathize with any of your sentiments around any of this transportation, except the unicycle is a little ridiculous and impractical, but I will say, again, it's pretty much thief-proof. And according to my girlfriend, that is its charm. I think you should only be able to ride a unicycle from one place to another if you are juggling the entire time that you are, are traveling from that one point to another. I think that's a negative stereotype, and I think that that is offensive. To clowns? To unicyclists who don't juggle. Then you shouldn't own a unicycle. How do you think they feel? I think they feel sad that they can't juggle. Probably. So don't don't marginalize them. You're using your your bicycle privilege to oppress the unicycle. I don't. And I, I don't own a bike. I don't own a bicycle though. What do you own? A tricycle? I own no. I own nothing. I own no wheels of transportation other than my car. Yeah, you own a car. So that when every time you get kicked out of your house by your wife and or son, and it all you can comes drive back to around. Hotel. It all comes this, back around. This is, this is why this keeps happening. Yeah. Great. So speaking of hotels, I want to talk about this city that I'm in because it's important. It's not that why? it's not that important. It's not that important to, to because I need to I need to I need to get this out there. I need to air air my grievances here with life with life. So I want to talk about... When is it my turn to tell stories? Okay, you tell, you tell your stories. Tell your stories right now. Now is your turn. I want to talk about fruit flies. Yeah, me too. Let's do it. Have you ever had fruit flies? Yeah, they're the worst. Here's what I want to know. How do you get rid of them? How do you... You personally, because I know how... Well, I, we think we know how to get rid of them. But I want to know if you know how... How would you go about you that? You get rid of the rotting food that harbors them. It is not rotting food that harbors them. You, I bring a banana into my apartment, I have a swarm of fruit flies. Like, immediately. It's just a thing that happens. We got rid of some of them. Um, but they're out there. Waiting? Watching? For fruit? Did you know that fruit flies can, for example, lay 300 eggs in a minute? That's a true fact. Now, how this is a true fact, and there's got to be other facts. No, this is actually a statistic. And what I don't understand is what happens to all of them, right? Because, like, I've never seen more than maybe two fruit flies in my apartment ever. Like, I may see one, and then I kill it, and then ten minutes later, I may see one, and then I kill it, and then I don't see any for, like, a day, and then they come back. But if they really spawned 300 at a time, one would think that I would see more than one or two at a time, right? Like, wouldn't there be, like, a, a just a cluster of fruit flies everywhere? And isn't that a horrifying thought? Yeah, I guess. 
I guess I haven't really ever right. had problems with fr- fruit flies. I've had them. Seriously. Yeah. And neither have... Uh, so I used to live with our friend Blake for three years. And he said, I swear I've lived with several people and you're the only person I've ever lived with where we got fruit flies. All I ever get is bananas. I don't eat apples because I don't like dentists. I don't eat oranges because you have to peel them and that's too much work. I don't eat uh, the juice fuzzy... What are they called? What are those things fuzzy, called? Fuzzy navels. The peaches... Well, I don't eat peaches because they're too fuzzy, but what's the other... Nectarines! I, well, now I eat nectarines, but the pits are big, so I historically didn't eat nectarines. No, I would just eat bananas, and I'm telling you, man, like three, and it's just, it's game over. It's just fruit flies everywhere, all the time, every, all, all day, every day. So what is your solution? And We'll get to the video games later. What, what is your solution? Oh, so two methods. So they're obsessed with wine rotting fruit, and unfiltered apple cider vinegar. But it has to be unfiltered. So you filter, they will, they'll, they don't Everybody knows this. So you open a jar or a bottle or you put it into a thing, and then you make a paper cone, like just out of a piece of paper, and then you put the cone on the top so the flies will fly in to the bottle, but they won't, like they can't get out because they're not smart enough. So just kind of buzz around, I guess, until they get tired. Or whatever, they fall into the vat of whatever liquid you have, and then they're dead. So we've trapped... We don't know how many flies we've trapped, because we're not using... We're, we're using a mostly opaque bottle, which doesn't really help. But if it were glass, I would presume we would just see a, 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 a veritable graveyard of fruit fly bodies just floating in the ether that we have procured... And curated in order to end this menace. Are you going, but that are you is going to just would... like it, drink them and embody all of the powers that exist within all of the fruit flies that so you have destroyed? So if I were a Highlander, if I were a Highlander and there were a lightning storm happening, then I would consider that. But um, probably not going to do that as of right Could now. Could you imagine the, that's po- the, power, the power of 20 to 30 fruit flies coursing through your veins, though? That you know, that does sound tempting. That does sound quite tempting. But um, for the time being, I'm just gonna let the bodies hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm probably gonna let the bodies hit the flow. Mm-hmm. Is what I'll do mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. and then once I've let the bodies hit the flow, I'll continue to let the bodies hit the flow, and then I'll let the bodies hit the floor, and then see what happens. And I'll I'll check in with an update perhaps next week or the week after or never. I haven't decided yet. That's fair. So there's my fruit fly story. I am glad that it lived up to the terrible unicycle story. I had terrible, oppressive, I had aggressive. Lo- I had lofty expectations for your fruit fly story. It really lived up. I mean, you hate unicyclists, and those are humans. Unicyclists are people too. Fruit flies are monsters. They are literally monsters. Like but, I get three experience points per fruit fly that I kill. That's what I'm saying. Why would you not want to inherit all of their power? Because I don't need it. You don't. You don't need to eat them. It's not like Cecil has to eat a behemoth to get a bunch of experience points in Final Fantasy IV. He could. Maybe they do off camera, but I don't see it. So let's talk about Rochester, Minnesota, for a minute. What's up with Rochester, Minnesota? Okay. So, um, on paper, it sounds like an interesting city to visit. So. 
Um, it's got a population of like 115,000. Uh, so it, it like rivals that of our hometown, Rockford, Illinois, in terms of size. Um, the down, except the downtown is actually quite large. So like, whereas in Rockford, our downtown, you know, the tallest building was like four to five stories tall. The tallest building here in Rochester is like 25 stories tall. I mean, there are very large buildings here. It's a, it's a, it's a populated downtown. Now, in general, when you're in a city and you're in a populated downtown, I'm currently like staying in the heart of downtown. There's, there's usually some interesting things to do. It's kind of an inter. Usually, it's kind of got things going on, right? Rochester is an interesting city in that it is the home of the Mayo Clinic. I know you've heard of the Mayo Clinic. Mayo Clinic is like one of the premier hospitals and healthcare organizations in the entire United States. People travel from all over the country, including like the all over the world, like places outside of the United States come to the Mayo Clinic. It is a very important healthcare organization. And the city, the interesting thing about Rochester, Minnesota, is that the city didn't exist really until the Mayo Clinic was here. Like this was like farmland before that. So when you think of like the way cities are um, like cities are built around maybe individual things. The first thing that always comes to my mind is like a college town where the city may have a population of like 50,000 in the the winter and spring. And then it drops to like 10,000 in the summer. You know what I mean? There's quite a few towns like that. Iowa City is a fantastic example where the University of Iowa is. The only thing that's really there is the University of Iowa. It gets huge during during normal college time and then it's nothing in the summertime and what's in iowa city a lot of things for kids to do right there's a lot of bars a lot of restaurants that kind of stuff so that's because the city exists because of the college what do you think there is in a city that exists because of a giant hospital the answer to that clubs the answer to that question is nothing like the first night that I was here, I was like, okay, I'm going to go, um, and I'm telling you, like, I'm in the heart of downtown. I've got giant buildings all around me. I'm like, I'm going to go find a place to eat dinner. So go downstairs, leave leave the hotel. Didn't bother asking, like, hey, is there a place to eat around here? Because I just assumed I could walk for five minutes and find a restaurant. Because, you know, I'm in downtown, relatively large city. So I start walking, and I'm like, oh, this is a hospital building. Walk a little more. Oh, here's a hospital building on my left and a hospital building on my right. Walk a little more. Here's another hospital building and another hospital building. And I quickly realized that the entire downtown of Rochester are Mayo Clinic buildings. All of them. They're like, it's like all Mayo Clinic buildings. So I... Including your hotel? Oh, and I'm sorry. And hotels. So that's it. That is all that's here. Um, it's... It is hotels... And hospital buildings. So I'm walking through the downtown, and it took me 15 minutes before I found one sports bar. That's what I found. I found a single sports bar. And it was, like, really bad. And I realized that this city is just old people and healthcare workers. That's it. That's all that's here. And the old people, they're they are all being treated for something. And so when I thought about this for two seconds, I was like, 
this is like one of the most depressing places I can possibly imagine. Because everybody here has some terminal illness, some very bad illness that they have to go to one of the premier hospitals in the entire nation to be treated for. And so you see them and you're like, like you're, you're probably slowly dying. And then you like see children here who are here visiting to get treatment. And the people stay in hotels and go get treatment like during the day. Like I watch them leave to go to, go to the hospital village to get treatment or they're here to see loved ones who are getting treatment. And it's like, man... Like, this is just, like, there is, this is not a place that you visit for fun at all. And I learned that very quickly. So, that's how I feel about Rochester, Minnesota. Like, it's just not, a, it's not a fun place at all. Do you want me to come visit you? You know, that would be phenomenal. That would be phenomenal. Because right now... Would that make it better or worse? Better. Absolutely better. Because right, because like... Right now, I'm seeing all these things, and I'm also like all by myself in my hotel room. So it's very, it's very lonely, you know. It's kind of, it's kind of a lonely place when you're by yourself. And I imagine that it's probably not that much more fun when you're here for an, a, a reason. So, yeah, that's Rochester, Minnesota. Happy Mayo Clinic. Well, happy summer to you, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Well, congratulations on being in a terrible, depressing. Uh, ghost town of a place. Can you understand like how that's depressing though? Like after I yeah yeah, I mean it's it's just it's kind of a depressing place. Yeah, no, I actually feel depressed after hearing your story, and thank you for ruining my day. Yeah, that's look, that's what I'm here for. That's what I try to actually. That's that's what I try to do. To be perfectly honest, you're exceptionally good at ruining my yeah. day. I will be totally yeah. honest. So there's that. Well, that's good. Well, I'm glad that we opened our video game podcast with talking about unicycles, fruit flies, and a depressing hospital town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but think of... That's actually kind of par for the course But think about it, though. Like, how many cities are built around a hospital? Can you think of of any other than than this one? Like, I knew the Mayo Clinic existed here. I've always known that it existed here since I I moved to Minnesota because it's like a... It's like a, a, a beacon of of one of the important places in Minnesota. But like, I don't, I can't, there's gotta be other cities that are similar to this one, but I can't think of any. I think that any city that's built around quote unquote, one thing is a, is going to be an interesting place. Like I had a friend who was the, she was in charge of a bunch of stuff for Breckenridge, like music festival, basically their concert series in the summer and things like that. And, I think it was Breckenridge, Colorado. That's the, or the, it was wherever they have the big. That's like the skiing. That's stuff. like the skiing town, though, right? Isn't that like? No, I'm thinking somewhere else. There, she was in charge of. She was in a town outside of Denver, like an hour outside of Denver. I don't remember the name, but it's just a straight up. They have their music areas. It's like Ravinia in Chicago. They have all these like concerts and all this classical music stuff, and you go out to see it, and it's great. But that's all that's there. And it's a population of like 3,000. And basically, they all work for this festival. And maybe there's like a bar or two or something, and they bring in all these people. But, but basically, the entire metropolitan area, quote unquote, and it's much smaller than Rochester, obviously, but still, the entire culture 
and community is based around this one thing, this like concert series in, in some classical music. And then when it's over and when the season's over, it's kind of like, well, we're here. Let's, let's hang out with each other, I guess. It's just like a weird vibe. And I would imagine that any resort town is like that or any, there's a lot of places like that. Um, so I don't know. I don't think they're all that different. I think that I don't think they're all that different. I'm sure there are some bars. There have to be. There's got to be some bars and some restaurants and some stuff in Rochester. Like statistically, it's just not possible. No, they're they're there, and I have nothing. and I have found them over the past few nights. I have found my way to to various places. Um, but my point is more that like for your your like if you were just to think of what you're going to find in an urban setting in like a standard urban setting. This is none of that. This has none of the things that you would expect. And it's just, it's, it's interesting. And then, and then again, when you stop to think about the people who are here and why they're here, it is then very depressing. Yeah. You're really hammering home the depressing angle. (laughs) I'm almost impressed with how committed you are to reinforcing how depressing Rochester is. Yeah, It's a depressing place. It's very sad. We're all very sad. Let's move on to less. De- let's. Well, all right, fine. Can I do my depressing news? Yeah, now? let's do it. It has to do with video games, so we're going to start talking about video games. That now. is depressing. That we're talking about video yeah. games on a video game podcast. Yes. I know we're so quotidian in that way. That's not the right use of that word. But what I was going to say is, it's very sad, and I already commented about this on a Google Plus page that it is sad. But the president of Nintendo died. Yes, I. Yeah, that is a sad thing. Satoru Iwata. Uh, it was very sad. He was instrumental in the production and development of the Nintendo DS, which really basically printed money for Nintendo forever, and the Nintendo Wii U or the Nintendo Wii, which was the biggest console basically, except for the PlayStation Two, I think. It made consoles mainstream. They have Wiis at retirement homes. My granddad was in a Wii bowling league. I mean, it, it just it it broke into popular culture more, you know, prominently than any video game thing had since the arcade was invented, since pinball machines, honestly. So, really great figure. I, I want to say there was a guy on Google Plus. And this guy, I hate you, this guy I'm about to address. And for those who don't know, Unqualified Gamers has a Google Plus page that's quite robust, and we're on there a lot. I don't do Facebook for our page because I just don't feel like it. And there was a guy, and I saw this picture, and it was like a banana peel or something from Mario Kart. And it had the caption, share if you will miss Iwata. And you was just the letter U, And it was him with, like, a Mario Kart banana peel photoshopped into his hand. And it had, like, 500 shares or something. And I get it. I get that people want to, like, express that they're sad about this. And it is a sad thing that happened. But when you turn it into a a terrible, misspelled, clickbait meme just to get shares and get plus ones and completely whore yourself out on the platform and it's like oh someone died quick if i make a thing that says share if you care then people will share like that angers me and that annoys me on on some level 
And it because this guy didn't do it because he's like, I really want to spread awareness that this sad thing happened and express my feelings to the world. No, I want to be a whore and have people share something so that I get metrics on social media and I feel good about myself. And I hate you, guy that did that with the half English, half Japanese or Korean or some other uh, East Asian script name. I don't remember your name and because it, it's not worth remembering and I hate you. That's what I have to say about that. If something sad happens and a celebrity dies or something, it, it's not like I, I made like a Patch Adams meme and had Robin Williams in a crazy pose and said like, share if you'll miss Robin Williams. It's like there's no reason for that. Something bad and sad happens and something happens and, and then you, you express a, a genuine sentiment about it on social media maybe and then that's it. That's what you do and then you move on. It's not this like I'm going to be an attention whore kind of a thing and I hate it. So anyway, that's all I had to Frankly, say. Frankly, I can't, I can't that, think like, of a better homage to Iwata than a badly uh, photoshopped picture of him holding a banana peel. I mean, it, yeah, totally appropriate. The, the only time in recent memory I've even shared on social media th- any sentiment related to a celebrity passing was Leonard Nimoy. And I said, like, I, it was a heartfelt thing that I put, and I'm not trying to toot my horn about it, but I'm just using it as an example. I said something like, like, listen, I don't usually do this, but I don't know. I feel kind of profoundly affected. I feel like the world lost like a true artist and a, and a guy and thanks to the memories. And that was kind of it. And I left it at that because it was genuine. And I, I think it got a bunch of likes, but that's not why I posted it. I don't know. I guess there's people on social media that just post to get likes and shares and, you know, feel better about themselves. And that's, that's them, I guess. But I just, I can't live in that world. I just will never we're not millennial enough I guess you and me unless you're that way John I don't know but I just want to say thank you for having the 100% correct way of grieving so that we can all follow your example um, because I know there because I know there is a correct way to grieve um, so I just I'm glad that you figured that out for everybody because it's really yeah so you weren't listening I wasn't saying this other person wasn't grieving. This other person was seeing a thing as an opportunity to get attention mm-hmm. and then exploiting that. That is not grieving. No, but then you this but, then, did not but then you started the talking ab- about how you expressed your feelings and, and grieved in whatever way you were doing and said that was the correct way to do it. So I'm just saying thank you. That is thank you for expressing the correct way to grieve so that we all know how to do it. Because uh, frankly, I oftentimes, I, I just don't know how. And so I'm glad I have, I have you as an example for me because there is only one correct way to do it. So you're a terrible human being. So I was giving an example. The of, example. I was giving an example of a genuine reaction and what I think is appropriate and quite frankly, classy. And you're a cl- you're, I've always I have always said that you are a classy griever. I've always said that. Everyone has uh, said that I'm a classy everything. Quite frankly, yeah, I've always everything I do is classy. Always said that. Everyone has always. Thought I that agree. I, I agree with you. The idea the I idea am. of exploiting a figure head's death is dumb and inappropriate. Yes, that's dumb. 
But there are a lot of 12-year-olds on social media, and we need to get used to that. That's true, and who knows? We probably would have done the same thing when we were 12. I have a lot of respect. I don't think so. I have a lo- You would not have. I would not have. I, I have a lot of respect for the guy because from what I understand, and I didn't know, I didn't know a lot about him until after he passed away, unfortunately, and all of like the stories come out, which is kind of the way it works. Um, but he, he like did a lot of the programming for a lot of the games in Nintendo, like both before and during his time as an executive. Like, I guess, I guess he was like, when he was, he wasn't CEO at this time, but back when Smash Brothers, I heard this anecdotal story somewhere. Um, he, when Smash Brothers Melee was coming out and apparently was like behind schedule, um, he was he was an executive in some capacity at this time. And when it was behind schedule, he went in and started debugging with the debugging crew to make sure it came out on time. He is also, from what I understand, the sole reason why Earthbound made it to, to the United States. Like, I guess the localization, when they very first did it, was just a complete mess. And so he went in and fixed it basically by himself. And that's what allowed Earthbound to come out over here. So, like, he was a guy that came up from the trenches. Like, he went in there, he did the work. And it's not often that, like, you you have a promotion from within to the level of CEO. Like, that's not a thing that happens. Like, people bring CEOs in from other companies that are already have proved success. You know what I mean? So, yeah. but no, he worked his way up through the company to get into this position, which is really impressive. And the fact that he did a lot of the program in a lot of games, like that's pretty awesome. I think I got mad respect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big loss and it's, uh, it's really unfortunate. And he was really young, which is one of the most unfortunate things. That was the worst part. Honestly, that was the worst part. It was even independent of anything he had done when it, you know, you just see his age on there and that was the worst part. You know, in his mid fifties, like that, that actually, that in that, yeah, it's it was very sad. So I don't want to like harp on it too much, but I, I, I don't know. I guess I wanted to mention it because, like, uh, I, I don't know. I guess we just want to express our condolences. Not that like Nintendo executives are listening or anything, but like, there's that, and we actually like we respect this guy, and I think it's worth noting after someone passes that it meant something. I, I guess even if like two people hear this. It's an important. Why I don't know. Why it's an I, it's an important thing that happened in the video game world. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's just, it's an important thing that happened. It is a, it, but not even just from a coverage standpoint. Like, there's a lot of things that'll happen in it. Like, you cover it as kind of a media or a news outlet, but it's a, it's a thing that there's a personal connection with. You, you know, John and I both really like Nintendo. Now, granted, John is more of a Blizzard fan than Nintendo, but, like, Nintendo is a huge part of both of our lives for a long time, and that that wouldn't have happened without this guy, really, in a lot of ways. And it's, like, I think it's it's worth it on a personal level to just kind of give a nod to that and say, like, hey, this guy was really important, like, just so you know, we want to acknowledge he was important to us personally, not just this, like, kind of news item 
you know, I don't bring it up because it's like, uh, well, let's go through this week in the news. Well, this happened and this happened. No, it's like, a, it's like a, well, here, we're going to get into this a little bit. And now we have. And now we can move on. Yeah, I had kind of moved on. Well, we, we can move. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. I just have one more thing to say. I mean, I had kind of moved on from Nintendo when Awada took over the company. Um, not completely, obviously, because I still, I, there was a lot of games on GameCube that I loved. And I owned a Wii and I own a Wii U. Um, but, like, at that point, I definitely had had turned to PlayStation more in terms of, like, the console that I used. Um, but I respect the guy for what he did and, like, where he took that company. Because he got that company, like, they're no longer in the same race as as Sony and Xbox. Like, they're just not. They've done their own thing, and that's, you know, thanks to him in a lot of ways. So, that's pretty cool. And speaking of moving on to other consoles and transitions and segues and things, and scooters. I uh, I know that we we uh, <laughs> we we don't want to go too long with the podcast tonight because we we kind of started to record past John's bedtime. But you've gotten quite into a game lately. Uh, yeah, so I started uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, which I bought a couple of games from my PS four, and one of them was Final Fantasy fourteen, and it's the only one that I've played so far. Um, and I've probably put, I don't know, maybe like 40-ish hours into it so far. Um, and it is a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, which in this day and age, uh, like any company would be crazy to try to make one of these. Um, unless they have, unless there's some hook to it that is different, that differentiates itself because there's, there's so many that are now like free to play that are good, that there's no reason to, to like come into it with a traditional model because this has a traditional pricing model. It's got the, you, you pay for the game up front and then you pay a monthly fee to, pre- to play the game, right? Like no MMOs are using that model anymore other than World of Warcraft. That is the only one. And the reason why that works is because it has, it has a monopoly in the market, right? So, You'd think like, oh, you'd have to be absolutely crazy to come in as a, as another company and try to make a World of Warcraft clone and use the same pricing model. Well, what Square has done is they've made a World of Warcraft clone. That is what this game is. It is a World of Warcraft clone, like, to a T. Uh, however, they've they've done just a couple of things differently that set it apart and they have the final fantasy name to carry some weight to it so i can i can pretty safely say that like if if this didn't have the final fantasy name on it this product wouldn't exist or it certainly wouldn't exist as a subscription-based model it just wouldn't um i think that name still carries a lot of clout so that being said like what is the game so if you know anything about world of warcraft um, you have a class, you have quests that you get from quest givers, you go out and you do the quests, kill eight rats and give me their whiskers, whatever, bring them back, etc., etc. Um, turn in your quest, get experience, level up, move on. Eventually you go into dungeons, which are instance-based. That's kind of how they've been for years and years. Um, you get in with a group of people. Um, you typically have a tank, a healer, and some damage. Uh, so damage dealers, and you go through the dungeon, and you get to you get you kill bosses, and you get loot that way. This has literally all of that stuff. 
Um, the thing that makes it different is that your character can be any class at any time that they want. So to change the to change your class in this game, it is as simple as changing your weapon. So I started the game as a um, as a, as basically what what is a black mage. Now there is a black mage in the game, but it's called a thermaturge in this game, and it's a it's a magic user. So um, that that atta- a thermaturge turge. You were a flaming turd, and so. Uh, it's like a master of elements that does direct damage spells. And so I was playing the game and I got to level 10 and I was like, okay, like that was fun. Um, but there are 12 classes to start or something like that. And I was like, okay, so that was fun, but I have no idea how any of these other classes work. So I'm just going to like change to another class and you can, you, you can unlock every single class at like level 15. Um, so, I un- I had unlocked another class, um, and it was like a monk-type class. In this game, it's called a pugilist. Uh, and so I picked that up, and I was playing with it. It's, a, it's like a melee damage class. And I was like, wow, this is like, I like this more. Like, I'm going to go on with this. So I, was, I played the game, and I played the game all the way up to level 25 as this pugilist. Um, and then I was like, man, you know, you know what I really liked the most in World of Warcraft was was tanking like that was what my was my favorite thing in the world when i was playing that game i always like to be the tank in groups um in general like when you're going into into dungeons you have to have a tank and a healer and then damage dealers right and arguably the tank and the healer are the most important part of any group um but just the like the act of tanking in world of warcraft to me was by far the most fun and i was like you know i really kind of want to i think be a tank more than anything i want to be a tank i think on final fantasy 14 so i started over again as a as a tank class and keep in mind that every class levels up independently so like i picked a tank class and i was back at level one um so i leveled that up and that's currently what i'm playing i've got a level 31 marauder which is an axe wielding tank class in the game and uh, doing a lot of dungeons and stuff, and it's really fun, and doing a lot of quests. Um, but they, they, they do a really smart thing where, like, they know that it takes a while to level up. And once you do a quest, it's done. You can't do it again. So um, when you change your class, you get a, an experience boost based on your highest level cla- class. So the fact that I have a, th- a level 31 of this one class, if I ever pick a pick another class that's lower level than that... I automatically get boost experience for anything that I kill. So it really speeds up the process with which you level other classes in the game. So th- that's kind of like a quality of life thing that they've done that's that's really cool. Um, and just the idea of being able to be any class anytime you want is awesome. Uh, because like, if something feels like it's getting a little stale, you can just jump into something else. You know what I mean? And then they've also done some interesting things where the crafting classes are actual classes themselves. So, like, I decided I'm going to pick up one crafting class just to, to try it. And so I picked up Armor Smith because I'm a tank and I'd like to make my own armor. And I have a level 25 Armor Smith. And that goes all the way up to level 50, just like the other classes. Well, every one of the different uh, crafters can get up to level 50, can go all the way up to their 
to the highest level class. So they take, I mean, that also takes a very long time as well. And then there's also gathering classes like miner, which goes out and mines ore, um, botanist, which goes out and mines plants, and those level up independently as well. So like all together, when you first start the game, uh, there's probably 20 classes total, and they all can go from level 1 to 50. And you could level them all up independently. I mean, they all level up independently, and you can level them all up if you want to. You have an endless amount of time, I guess. And I'm sure there are people that have done that. I, in fact, I, there have to have been, because people are fanatical, right? So, uh, but the other... that That's all cool. I don't know if that necessarily differentiates this game from another MMO enough, though. Like, if that was the only difference between this and, like, WoW, I probably wouldn't still be playing it. But the thing that really, uh, the other thing that really differentiates this from your standard MMO is that they have placed a huge emphasis on the uh, the main storyline. So, like, there's all these quests that you can that you can take, but then there are there's a main storyline quest that is de- that is notated with like a different symbol. Your quest giver's symbol looks a little different. And so you know that this is part of, like, the main quest line. And the main quest line has, like, extra production value in terms of the way that it is presented to you as the player. So sometimes there's, like, voice work, which there was never voice work in World of Warcraft ever. So sometimes there's, like, voice work. There's always cutscenes in, the in the different main story quests. And it follows a pretty good narrative like it's it's pretty good um and it generally takes you all the way from the start of your character from level one all the way through level 50 for like one class there's a there's a few times in between where there you have to like grind for a level by doing other quests but in general you can take the main storyline for one class all the way through to to the end of the game from what i understand which is really cool because the story's the story's good, and that's something that I mean. World of Warcraft had a general narrative for each of its expansions, um, but there wasn't like a main storyline quest. Um, and in fact, they have deemed the main storyline so important that apparently, with the expansion, you can't even start the expansion until you have completed the main storyline in the base game. So. Um, I, that's just kind of, it's kind of an interesting thing and the game plays like an MMO like you're watching cooldowns for your abilities you're using them um, every class plays differently so like if you like if you like that MMO style battle system which I do uh, it's it's good well I'm going to get it <clears throat> I just ordered a gaming PC as I mentioned on the last episode and that will be able to run it perhaps smoothly does it look good i mean square since final fantasy 12 has had a lot of emphasis on making games look ridiculously beautiful like is it because world of warcraft isn't necessarily the the flashiest game no it always i mean not anymore um it had its time but it's it's kind of an outdated outdated look right um so it's interesting the, the game does look great yes um it's amazing. So if, if you look at World of Warcraft, the perspective is basically pulled way back. Your character is quite small, and, and you you have a very large amount of viewing space of the world. You know what I mean? In this game, 
your uh, the camera angle is much lower. It's basically right behind your character. The character is much larger on the screen. So the world feels bigger. Even though it's not, it's a much smaller area of land that you that like the the total game covers. It you feel like the world is larger. It just because of that different perspective. Um, and the game looks it does look beautiful, yes. Interesting. And you've told me the the music is phenomenal the music is, because it's final. The music Fantasy. is great. It's really, really good. That is yeah. It's it's very good. Okay, cool. I'm looking forward to that. And how is the community? Because you've talked about like uh, MOBA communities, like League of Legends and uh, Dota, are like are are very aggressive and not very welcoming. You're familiar with the World of Warcraft community. I'm not. What's this one like, and how does it compare to WoW and maybe other online communities? So I'm playing on the PS4, um, and I. I don't have a keyboard plugged into it yet. And so, like, I, I basically haven't chatted with anybody because the text entry on the PS4 is atrocious, right? It's horrible. Like, if you're trying to if you're trying to play it on the, the... The actual... Oh, that's the other thing I forgot to mention. I'll mention that in a second. But anyway, I'm playing it on the PS4, and I don't have a keyboard type to type. And so I basically have not interacted with the community at all. The only interaction I've had is when I've been doing dungeons. Um, and in general, those have been totally great. Um, haven't had any problems with doing those at all, even without the ability to communicate. The other thing that I think is important that I totally forgot to mention um, is that I am playing this with a gamepad, and they have done the impossible, and they have made an MMO, which in general is a relatively complicated genre, they've made it totally playable and fun with a gamepad, which is something that like World of Warcraft could never do. They could never do that because the amount of buttons that are necessary to play the game, it's just not, it would not be possible. This game has done it and it, it did a very good job with it. It's super fun. It's super easy. And I've talked about this, this before, but it really brings the game from a lean forward kind of game which is what World of Warcraft is, because you have to you have to be over a keyboard, you have to be engaged with your mouse and keyboard, right? To a sit back kind of game, it's it's a much more leisurely feeling when I'm playing this game because I'm playing it with a gamepad and it works really well. So that is awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoy playing it with the gamepad. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a much different experience. It is. Cool. It is. It's wow. way different. So all that being said, I will, I will probably, in fact, I know I will, because like, I'm going to be continuing to play this game. Um, once I finish the main story, I don't know how much I'll continue to play it. We'll see. We'll see, like, if, if that, if that grind, uh, of getting gear for, like, multiple character classes, if that drives me, we'll see. I, I don't actually know. Uh, but right now, the main storyline is totally driving me through the game. It's really neat. Cool. Are you going to be tempted to play Final Fantasy XI after this online? No. I tried Why? Cause I, cause... I tried that game, and I didn't really like it. It didn't grab me at all. Oh. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to playing this. So I'm glad that you picked it up. Uh, our friend Brad has played like 300 hours of it or something. Ridiculous. I think he's played. I think he actually said he played like 30 days or something that's ridiculous 
Yeah, I thought... But in MMO standards, not really that crazy. I, I put in way more time in that than World of Warcraft. I probably had 90 to 100 days played. That's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah, no, I probably did. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. So, the game, that game, that game was the... You have to keep in mind, though, that that game was literally the only game I played for years. For years. I mean... I will never play a game like I played that game again. Like there, there's, a, there's, I think a three-year period of time where I missed console games. I just didn't play console games. Never say never. Even though I just said it twice, something could happen. Something could come up. Some other game could pop out at you and become the go-to game. You never really know. It's hard to say. One cannot predict. You didn't play anything, did you? Of course you did. No, I reached level fifth, rank 15 in Hearthstone rankings with my really awesome priest deck, believe it or not. So that's kind of exciting for me. I'm, kind of, I'm actually very excited about I'm kind that. of excited that you're so into that game now. Like, yeah, it's um, pretty awesome. I still love the arena, but my last four drafts were atrocious. Mm. Like so atrocious you have no like the decks were literally unplayable i would lose i would just lose three games in a row mm. that, like i got zero wins with my last like three or four arena oh decks. that's terrible they were so bad so i'm just burned out on it in my first arena run i got like four wins with the hunter and it was awesome it was a great draft my second draft was even better i got like seven wins or something and then every draft since then has just been atrocious so it just got burned out on arena runs, and then I found a priest deck that just is awesome. So I've been uh, I've been really hot on Hearthstone lately, but there's some other games I, I want to get into soon, and I will. And once that gaming PC comes, I mean, watch out because uh, uh, Final Fantasy XIV will happen. I, a lot of things will happen. I'm very excited. I'm excited for you. So yeah. new gaming PC is yeah, awesome. Me too. It's always good. So if you uh, would like to join both John and me live for a live recording of our podcast, then check us out Friday, July 31st at Gen Con, where in the, in the Crown Plaza, we will be doing a live recording with audience participation and free pens, among other things. So please join us there. You can find more information at Gen Con. Just search for their event listings online for unqualified gamers we've got a little promo video with a sneak peek at our insanity on our youtube channel and of course you can always find more information on us at unqualifiedgamers.com or at the gunna geek network or at wgn plus whenever whenever we start to show up there which should be now ish hopefully so i would love if you would check us out of those places And we're just going to leave it at that for this week and hopefully be back next week with a better connection in our, uh, it'll be, yeah, that'll be our go home episode before Gen Con, I think. Mm, It might. That's actually true. Yeah, I think it is. That is frightening. That is. I can't believe it's, I can't believe it's coming up that fast. So fast. So, and so furious, actually. So, listener, uh, I guess I just want to leave you with the thought that you shouldn't own a unicycle. That would be the thought that you leave people on because you are the worst.